0: Good morning and welcome to episode 61 of the Jaguar Report Podcast. My name is Gus Logue. I'm joined here by my co-host Clark Kent. Or wait, no, that's John Shipley. Nah. Oh, the hair there. It looks good. Uh there,
1: there you well, go. no, no. Why, why are we why are we judging?
0: So, so Join, need a haircut. I was just trying to give you a compliment. Uh joined by my co-host John
1: Shipley. How's it going, John? It's going good, my friend. How you doing? It's like we've been saying man i've been ready for the Jaguars to get back and for things to get back to normal for like three weeks and finally things feel felt back at normal but now short week so a little a little, little weird but otherwise doing good man doing good how are you doing
0: i'm all right uh trying to get used to this weather i mean it's dropped like Five whole degrees, but it's getting a little chilly. Are you a cold-weather guy or a warm-weather guy? Oh, I'm, I'm cold-weather, man. Mm, I'm definitely a warm-weather guy. I'm getting, like, sad that it's, like... Oh, God. Well, I'm, like, trying to spend as much time outside as possible now, trying to get these UV rays while I can. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting to that point in the season, that point of the year, I guess. But the things were back to normal in terms of the Jaguars' expectations because they kind of walloped on the Colts thirty-seven to twenty in week six. Uh you and I both had them winning big, but like didn't really predict them winning quite as big as they did on Sunday because I think it was maybe not even as close of the game as thirty seven to twenty suggests.
1: Death, taxes, the Jaguars versus the Colts at home. <laughs> and Gardner Minshew losing an important game in Jacksonville.
0: Ooh, I mean, how many important games did he play in Jacksonville? Like, well, the fun
1: important, but like, <laughs> I was gonna say,
0: was this like how important was this one? Even, but like, it was important for the Jaguars yeah. for the Colts. Well,
1: I mean, so the the Jaguars basically did a Dr. Frankenstein and killed the monster they created with him. <laughs> he he will never be a starting quarterback again, other than a pinch starter after this game. So, in terms of that, I mean, big, but the the Jaguars put the stakes to the heart of that one, but. It's their fault it ever started, so it, it was only right that the Jaguars and Mike Caldwell were the ones to put Minshew Mania away for good. True, it was it, a
0: fun story, but the, the book is kind of closed <laughs> now. That was that seemed like the
1: last page of the final chapter. The announcement yeah. in the first quarter was like Minshew Mania is long forgotten. I'm like, no, it is not, dude. <laughs> shut up about it. Yeah, awesome.
0: hopefully now we all can.
1: Yeah, it's like that that office where uh, Andy's given off, like, uh, uh, facts about the sun to Gabe. He's <laughs> like, shut up about the sun. Shut up about the sun. Yeah. That, that's how I felt the entire last week about the Minshew stuff. But, mm-hmm. yeah, 37-20 win over the Colts. I mean, yeah, a convincing win. I mean, we can just start off with the offense. I felt like – so, obviously, some context is needed. The defense made things pretty easy for the offense in the first half in terms of, you know, like field position. Josh Allen obviously set up ETN's touchdown. He got, they got the ball at the Colts 22. But I mean, the first drive, 13 plays, 65 yards, touchdown drive. The other touchdown drive in the first half, that wasn't ETN run, nine plays, 65 yards. But they put together, you know, some, good drives in the first half. Right. And obviously like the context again is needed for the fact that the defense made things easy, but it definitely felt like this was a game where at least in the first half, it looked more like the Jaguars offense that maybe we thought we were, you know, going to see earlier in the season, like just spreading the ball around a lot of pocket movement with Trevor, you know, a lot of middle of the field shots and, Trevor, at least to me, looked like he was more willing maybe this week than some past weeks to kind of take the check down. I mean, I, I thought if you're just looking at the first half, you know, it was a really, really efficient, you know, outing by Lawrence in the passing game. But it did kind of feel like a tale of like two halves. I mean, you you look at their drive summaries in the second half. It went punt, field goal at their super short field. Uh, they did get that big touchdown. You know, the Bryn Strange, the cap off a nine play, 51-yard drive. But the fourth quarter went interception, punt, field goal on a short field, field goal on a short field, kneel down. So, you know, two punts in there, an interception in there. It felt like to me, like, the second half, like, wasn't cohesive or really, like, didn't really have a plan. It was basically just, let's kill some clock. Let's try to pad some of our passing stats. And – yeah. It, it didn't really happen because it kind of felt like weirdly enough the Colts were expecting the pass. So I want to ask you, this is one of the first times this year we've seen the Jaguars play with a lead. Do they have the offense that can really play, you know, with a lead? Because they didn't do well with it on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Like, I feel like ETN individually has done a pretty good job in the fourth quarter of, like, closing out games, especially as we saw in the Buffalo game with, like, those two touchdown – big touchdown runs. Um, But the offense in general, I mean – Calvin Ridley definitely had some big third downs in that second half against Buffalo, too. But, like, we kind of mentioned how, like, the offense interior offensive line dictates a lot of, like, the short yardage situations and then, like, the end-of-game situations where, like, you kind of have to win physically between the trenches in order to just put the game away sometimes. And, yeah, like you said, it was the first time that we really saw it this season. Like, a, I guess the Falcons game, too. But it seemed like the same thing that happened against the, with the Falcons where, like, uh, like the Jaguars did get away with the win, but it was like maybe a little bit closer than it should have been against Atlanta back in week three. Uh, and it was like they weren't really able to like finish off with a dominant performance and like hang 40-plus on the Colts. Uh, they kind of just like certainly didn't limp to the finish line, but just made sure
1: they got to the finish line, and that was pretty much it. No, 100%. And, I mean, they kind of limp to the finish line. Like The, the, yeah. cor- the quarterback literally limped off. <laughs> I mean – we might as well get like that. That's last year. Trevor Lawrence had the most talked about toe in you know Florida outside of you know actually not even going to attempt to not even going to attempt to make a cancelable joke there. He had the most talked about toe after his Detroit Lions injury. Now, like for the next like three or four days, the knee is going to be like literally like that's the only thing anybody's going to talk about, right? And, like, like freaking. Fourier got asked about Jeffers' <laughs> knee today, you know? So, like, it, it, if you're in Jacksonville, you're going to be asked about his knee. Let me get your thoughts on this because it seems like it's a big debate. Obviously, I know fans have a right to feel in way. Like, fan is literally short for fanatic. You wouldn't it'd probably be a fan if you didn't see the franchise quarterback get hurt in that moment and not blame the team. So, just a, it's about three minutes left. It was third down. Jaguars Doug has since said that you know they wanted to really kind of try to get the quarterback 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 what the hell get the quarterback on the edge kind of you know in the game right there whether it's you know whether even if he doesn't get the first down you know maybe he can just basically take a short sack it's already a short field goal so they call it like a naked bootleg i will say it is a common call i feel like for teams like especially late in games like trying to get you know especially when teams are selling out to the middle is basically you know they maybe inside zone or outside zone and get the quarterback on the edge
0: mm-hmm. they did That's run good. it
1: he's like plenty of other teams have done this <laughs> yeah like it's not like people are saying why would you do that with the quarterback and like this ha- literally happens weekly like you see teams yeah. do this like it's the it's the nfl you mm-hmm. know like it, it's teams aren't it's not college teams aren't putting in there. You know, like eight, six-year sophomore quarterback to, you know, kill kill a quarter. It's the NFL. Dudes are staying in the game. Yeah, but he obviously gets sacked, comes up, injures injures his knee. Uh, Adam Schefter called it a minor sprain. It's probably, not, no idea where you would even get specific with it. But basically, a knee sprain doesn't seem like it's significant. But, and we'll talk about this. On Wednesday, when we talk about Saints and Jaguars, you know, and obviously cast a question over his availability for Thursday. I mean, what do you think about the call and the situation? Because, I mean, Doug today basically, and I can pull up the exact quote to me, more or less was like, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it was (laughs) kind of Trevor's (laughs) fault, you know, like that, that. Okay, so here it is. Doug got asked if, you know, a day later if he stands by the play call. And he said, and I quote, yeah, it's part on us, part on the players. We put players in situations where we have to understand the situation. We had talked about taking the short sack in a situation like that. If you don't feel like you can get outside, go down. Part of that is on the player, and part of that is we can coach better and emphasize that more. The play call, I'm 100% behind the play call. It's something that a lot of teams do in situations like that to get the quarterback on the edge. Defensively, they're pinching gaps and their edge pressures, and it's a good way of getting your quarterback on the perimeter to get the first down and ice the game at that point. As coaches, too – we can instruct our quarterback better, coach him better, and understand that if you can't get outside, just go down. So he's more or less saying, I like the call, and we literally told him before the play to just take a sack if it's not there. And if you take off your teal-colored glasses, go back and watch the play, he could have easily just, just fell down. You know, right. like He clearly tried to make something happen.
0: He kind of tripped a little bit, and, like, that almost screwed him because I don't think, like, the tripping himself was, like, where he got injured. It was the tackle. But, like, yeah. he it, I think he probably thought that he could have, like, gone away from the pressure if he, like, hadn't tripped. And then he did trip, though. Uh, and so, he, like, he still tried to get away from it but couldn't and ended up getting injured. Uh, So, I would put, like, 100% of the blame on Trevor, honestly. Like, I think, like, it was a fine play call, especially if, like, Peterson, like you said, like emphasized already that like shaking a short sack is okay there. Like, I don't really have any uh, qualms with like anything that Peterson or the coaches did. I think like it's kind of on Trevor to go down there. And like him going down there is like you can't get too mad about it because like he's a superstar quarterback and like like superstars kind of like have to break rules in order to like make the crazy plays that they do. Um, But like, that's just like not the situation. To break a rule is when you're like up 14 points with three minutes left in the game at home. It's like Doug said to him for a reason that like taking a short sack was okay, so yeah,
1: it was on him. And like we said, like this is a play call you see pretty frequently in the NFL. Uh, I'm with you. Like, if I had to like put blame, if that's like you know what we're doing, I would say it's probably like on the quarterback because I don't know, man, if I'm a NFL coach, in my head, I'm saying, oh, the quarterback will just go down if it's not there. <laughs> you know, like, the thing that makes Trevor probably special, outside of, obviously, insane arm talent, athleticism, but one of the things that probably sets him apart is, he plays every single play, like, if we don't get this first down, we lose the game. Yeah. Yeah, Regardless of the game situation. And that's what it felt like on this play. Like, he was not acting like a quarterback up 14. He was, like, acting like, if I don't get this first down, we're going to lose.
0: He honestly has a little bit of, like, Buffalo's Josh Allen in him. Where, like, you see a little bit more reckless from Josh Allen. Because, like, he has a little bit more of a body type to, like, I guess get away with it. Because he'll just, like, run over guys. And Trevor Lawrence, like, can't really do that even if he tried. But, like, they (laughs) kind of play with, like, the same desperation of, like,
1: I have to get this first down because my life depends on it. Uh, yeah, I so. mean, there was a play earlier in the game. Uh, you know which one I'm talking about, where it's like he the was wrapped players? up for a sa- yeah, he was wrapped yeah. up for a sack, and he just threw it up, and it was almost picked. Like, to me, that's literally oh, that was that was insane. Yeah. To me, that's literally the same play. <laughs> yeah, like it, like it sums up in my opinion. Like Trevor, great quarterback, but like if there's one maybe flaw with him, it's that he just doesn't let any play die, but you also – you don't want to coach that out of him because that's how he makes some plays happen. You can't coach that out of him too much. And I think they coached it
0: into into him a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Like you said earlier, like he was checking down a little bit more. And, like, I was thinking I think he was under a little bit pressure this game as opposed to just, like, most of the season. And probably part of that is because he was, like, checking down a little bit more, just sort of taking what the defense was giving him as opposed to just, like – Hunting for I, big plays, which he doesn't necessarily
1: do like all the time, but like he'd probably like to. I really think that once Travis scored and it was 14 to 3 that they thought the game was over and they didn't need to do anything else. Like am, am I did it not seem like that?
0: Yeah, like they definitely like play well on offense in the first half, but also like the way the defense was playing, especially after that first stinky dunk drive by the Colts, like it was like we can like get negative yards and still like yeah. win like the I feel like was probably what the offense yeah. was
1: thinking. But the way to combat those dink and dunk offenses is, is to score quickly and to basically, you know, force them out of it and force them to, you know, really not take up these long drives that, you know, take up half the quarter and you only get three points out of them. And once the Jaguars went up 14-3, at least that's the way I looked at it is they were like, OK, Gardner's not going to beat us. We don't really have to throw the whole kitchen sink to get out of this with a win. So, I'm um, OK, what, what are your thoughts then on the idea? So, all right. It's 3rd and 7, mind you. About three minutes left. Say you just run the ball up the middle of the ET and you probably don't get anything. So say you don't get that. I mean, do you, is there an argument against like just running it instead and settling for the field goal attempt? Because I guess in their mind, they're like, okay, anything can go wrong. If we run it, maybe he fumbles it. If we kick it, maybe they miss it, and like they don't have a big chance to win. But I think they still had like a ninety-nine percent probability to win there. <laughs> like I don't know. It, it like on one hand, I agree with them that okay, Trevor more or less like his never said I got himself hurt. On the other hand, was it maybe a bit Galaxy brain? Like you, st- you could still ice the like they did still ice the game without getting the first down.
0: Yeah, I almost feel like they were just like trying to go home too quickly, is like. <laughs> If they would kick the field goal, it would be a 17-point game, which is three possessions. And, like, at that point with three minutes left, you know it's a wrap. And, like, you just kind of have to stick around for, like, some, like, onside kick shenanigans from the Colts maybe. Uh, But then, like – so, you know that that possibility exists, but you also know that, like, if you're going to run the ball, you're probably going to have to kick it uh, just because, like, that's what the Colts are expecting. So, like, that was just, like, their way, I think, of, like –
1: Trying to avoid the field goal? Like – just
0: like trying to like avoid the Colts getting the ball back at all, like they, yeah. just, I think they just want to get a, it first down. Um, Which fair, like, fair.
1: yeah. So I, I think you can definitely kind of question the play call a little bit. Like I get it, I get, I, I do get questioned it to an extent because, like in reality, they didn't. It wasn't a successful play, and they still did end up icing the game. So mm-hmm. it didn't bother them that they didn't get the first down. But on the other hand, I'm also at the school of like just just take the sack like like that's the biggest thing i think Trevor has to work on is the situational like stuff knowing when it's okay to basically eat a play
0: yeah and i think that'll be like hopefully a somewhat easy lesson for him to learn or at least easier than usual cuz like taking what the defense is giving you and like not always having your superhero keep on is like a lot easier said than done when you're playing on a team with like a terrible defense like his rookie year and like you kind of have to play superhero ball in order to like have a chance to win games. Uh, but now the Jaguars have objectively a top 10 defense by uh, like pretty much any advanced metric. And so like, like we saw against the Colts uh, I mean, they're, the Jags are going to be playing Gardner Minshew every week, but the defense is definitely going to allow Trevor Lawrence in the offense, like a little bit more flexibility in terms of like not having to go for more hero shots.
1: Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, to me, there wasn't much more to talk about the offense of this game. Like I said, it just felt like they were kind of like – once they went up at 14-3, but even after Kirk's touchdown, they would kind of just shrugged their shoulders and said, let's mm-hmm. pat the stats a little bit and get the heck out of here. I will say, though, are you ready for this week's ball bulb? Okay, yeah. All right, you ready to get master class? Yeah. The first touchdown of a young Brent Stranger's career came mm. Sunday. And he now has more touchdowns than the following players combined. All right. Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman. All right. Evan Ingram, Michael Gallup, Brandon Cooks, Mike Gusecki, Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins, Jerry Judy, Quentin Johnston, Elijah Moore, Michael Thomas, and, of course, Dalton Kincaid. That, that goes without saying. <laughs> Are any of those
0: players – how many of those players are, like, good right now, like this week at football?
1: Most of the list. Mm. I'd say about 70% of the list. <laughs> 70. I don't know. You like take like any I'm of saying them? Saying, would you I'm take saying, any of them over Brendan Strange's impact this year? I don't know, man. <laughs> it, what was, like, what's the
0: question? Like, who would I rather right, have anyone you, on that list? <laughs> you could have
1: any of those players, or you can be first place in the AFC South, thanks to his touchdown helping – it's pure blowout victory. Mm. He also set up the first touchdown. So he basically put them in first place at AFC South. So any of those players are first place in the AFC South after yeah, six you know, I would take a
0: DeAndre Hopkins or a Chris Godwin.
1: Oh, we're being first place in the AFC South? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. You, you have your prerogative. Have three and three, and then I have another receiver. You have your prerogative. I have mine. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Well, yeah. when 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 we get friend of the show Pete Prisco on here, we'll we we'll be <laughs> right. all about balky ball. <laughs> yeah, I love I love doing the bit on Twitter and like the people who aren't don't or aren't yet listen to the show thinking yeah. it's like completely like <laughs> genuine like like Pete. <laughs> right. like, no, no, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> what did he yeah. say? He said, <laughs> "I said, because he said." Anton's playing better than Jawan. Anton, by the way, zero pressures on Sunday. I thought he was dominant in the running game. I thought it was his best game as a pro. He was really good. Pete Prisco said Anton's playing better than Jawan. So I brought up to you one of the original bulky balls. Would you rather have Jawan and a first-round pick or Anton cap space and a third-round pick? And Pete said he would use the third-round pick on a linebacker. <laughs> Bulky ball.
0: My God, no. Pete's my guy.
1: Uh, Pete's awesome. Pete's (laughs) awesome. All
0: right. Well, wasn't something else you said to me, I think, earlier today was, hasn't Brenton Strange scored more combined touchdowns than, like, every other? (laughs) Yeah. Luke Musgrave, Dalton Kincaid. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, to show you that it's catching on, I got a text from a listener and a friend who said, my submission for Gus getting bulky masterclass this week. With Britton Stranger's touchdown, he has more touchdowns this season than Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, Tarnell Washington, Luke Musgrave, and Tucker Craft combined. <laughs> Second best oh, t- rookie tight end behind Sam Laporta. I'm that's arguably first. <laughs> he he blocks. Okay. He he's not a he's not a chlorinated slot receiver. Uh, all right. You have your prerogatives. I have mine. Well, all let's right. Hear, let's hear I, it all. I got one more take to get
0: out there before we move <laughs> on. Uh, I I agree with you that like they didn't throw the kitchen sink out uh, on Sunday, like in terms of like their offensive scheme. But one thing I did notice is like the use of pullers for the offensive line. I think that's like one of the big ways that like the health and like having all five starters that you want is going to be big. Because uh, like Cam Robinson, like on Darnus Johnson's nice little run on the left side uh came Robinson pulled like outside of a tackle and had a really nice block in space so like he's been like really good in his return so far in terms of like kind of adding a physical element that the Jags want in the run game but he is like a pretty good puller out in space and then Luke Fortner had a pretty good game after you said it was a gonna be a big week for him on the ETN Wildcat touchdown he like had a crazy like sprint out uh block into space um I don't even know if it was like technically a pull because he didn't go like behind anybody. Yeah, I, I I
1: think he was just getting like 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 straight up like there like he didn't have anybody shading him or anything. So he basically had a pre-release to the second level and he more or less went to the third level. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I mean he threw a nice block to kind of like finish off the play and help ETN get into the end zone. So like uh, we're kind of seeing like the as the offensive line is getting a little bit healthier. Like even though the interior is what's like shaky. Uh, like with the offensive line game back to full health like you're seeing more success on outside runs so i'm just i've i feel like i said it on like the last episode too but i'm just really excited to see like what the offense looks like um at yeah. the time like we get to december or january with hopefully
1: everyone kind of healthy and in the lineup where they want them to be for the record i thought chatley had a solid game like i a solid game yeah people kill him for that third down the Forest buckner sack that was all that was 100 trevor that was a million percent. So I thought I Shally had I thought the offensive line in general had a good game. So I'm yeah. I, I'm with you. Like seeing the offensive line as it gets back to full health will be interesting. also I may mean, hat tip to play cant He played left tackle in a pinch yeah. last week and then right guard this week. Like dudes literally playing everywhere. It was also interesting to me that when Sheriff went down, like it wasn't Ben Bartsch that went up there. as hands. So kind of just mm-hmm. maybe shows you where the dominoes are falling on the line for right now. Gus, you got you got anything else for the offense for us? Uh,
0: n- my last note is that Travis Etienne leads the league in rushing attempts. I would not have thought that before
1: this season. Doug Doug Peterson loves him some run pass ratio questions. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Etienne the workhorse. That's, he's impressive. I, I will say, like, his, like, contact balance and, like, strength this year, like, it's always been good, but, like, Dudes are bouncing off him this year. Like, yeah. he does not run at all like he looks, if that makes that's sense. That's
0: like, I feel like was like maybe his biggest draw coming out of college is that, like, yeah, obviously his straightaway speed is like awesome and bonkers. And he's like one of the few like angle erasers in the NFL. But like his contact balance is like, I feel like that's why he was compared to Alvin Kamara so much coming out of college is like the, like his usage in the passing was probably got a little bit overrated. Um, just cause like, he he's like using like swings and screens and that type of stuff but his contact balance out in open space is just incredible but even now that he's in the league and kind of getting more used to like NFL kind of like gaps and schemes and run fits and kind of like understanding it all uh he's been really impressive inside the tackles too
1: for sure and he's getting involved in the passing game more last year he averaged 2.65 targets a game this year he's averaging four targets a game so mm-hmm. It definitely seems like they're putting more in his plate. Yeah. yeah using him more in general, I feel like. Would would you believe this week was the most tank bigs we've played all year?
0: No, probably not. Just because I I mean Etienne didn't have a big like yardage production, but he had a big week, so I would not yeah. guess that.
1: Yeah, no, it was the most based both per in terms of snaps and snap percentage. And it still felt like he didn't play how
0: yeah, I many touches did you to get? Like four. Four? Yeah. I was gonna guess one. I,
1: There you go. All right. On that note, we're going to break. We'll be right back for the defense. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. To your happy place For a happy price Go to your happy price Priceline oh, I guess Let me get my dancing shoes on mm. mm-hmm. yeah, we got Bring them out, out We got a grave to tap over buddy <laughs> Mike Caldwell Took a Like just a, a Straight up like Club like a caveman club and just bonked Garden of Minshew over the head with it for 60 minutes, dude. Just every drop back, bonk. like in my opinion, and I'm not saying this hyperbolically, one of the most disrespectful game plans I've ever seen in the NFL.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I like they <laughs> I think of anything else, like
1: they were not worried about that Garden of Minshew at all, dude. No, it and, was. Go ahead. Like, you could definitely feel people getting angsty when he started 9-9, right? Like, I, I I, didn't even have to look at Twitter, like, to gauge, like, to check the temperature in the pool. Like, I knew people were like, oh, shit, here, you know, here we, here we go, you know. But mm-hmm. the Jags even, like, said after the game, were like, oh, yeah, we're perfectly fine with them doing that. You know, like, like they can dink and duck all they want. They're not going to win like that. Right. I think Smithko said that, and I think Josh Allen said that, too. And yeah. they proved it, dude. Like, They were literally – so the Jaguars basically never, like, play with heavy boxes the way that they did on Sunday. Like, they have one of the highest light box percentages in the entire NFL, and that's because they play with a lot of, you know, down linemen, basically. Like, they already feel like they have so many guys who can play their run hard enough that they don't need to stack the box. But I I, I believe it was – Stephen Holder with ESPN, like, tweet out the Colts were in 10 personnel, one running back in the backfield, four wide. And then Jack put four defensive backs on the four of them, backed them up to the first down marker like it's peewee football, and then yep. had everybody else in the box. It literally looked like a defense I would see on Saturdays. And they were not threatened by Gardner Minshew at all. And I thought, in a world of Brandon Staley's, who – doesn't want to play against a run. Mike Caldwell deserves his credit because that dude, you've said it all year on this podcast. He is selling out for the run and it has made them a hell of a defense for it. I thought Foyer had a pretty cool
0: quote today about like because someone asked something similar about like the early downs and like uh run defense. Oh, that's you. <laughs> well, credit Stop. to you for our setting setting up the answer, but uh foyer like his answer, he specifically said first downs is like kind of like the tone setter. Uh like because first and second down and longs are like pretty huge because like you're mostly worried about third down uh so like i would say third down is the most important down but he said first just because like it like sets the tone for the rest of the downs he has a good pr- pretty good point uh man like they're just like suffocating on defense especially yeah. this past week against like the quarterback that they faced uh they're like Gardner Minshew had an average depth of target of 1.7 yards on that opening drive. So it's like he wasn't even dinking and dunking. It was just like checking down. Extended
1: handoffs.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was like check downs and screens. It was like there's a crazy amount of passes that went zero yards. As you said, it was like an extension of the run game. Uh, So, yeah, like even though it might have like caused a little bit of worry for some Jaguars fans after the first drive, like as you said, the Jaguars were not worried at all.
1: Yeah, no, and I I think you made a great point about four A. It's like everybody in the NFL sees throw down as the money down. I feel like the Jaguars are one of the only defenses in the NFL like they see for, like you said, first down and to a lesser extent second down as their money downs where they want like those are downs they want to win, and then they'll worry about throw down when it comes. and. I think that showed up perfectly against this team because the Colts have been running the ball well. I mean, Zach Moss is getting, like, oh, <laughs> can't. Zach, I, I'm sorry. I wasn't born yesterday. I remember Zach Moss in Buffalo. He was yeah. one of the worst running backs in the NFL. Yeah. So, Colts obviously had a good running game coming in. I think Minshew, not adding anything to the running game, obviously played a part in it. But you don't see that game playing against Anthony Richardson. You know? Oh, totally. every, no. But I thought that – Basically, Caldwell came in with the perfect strategy. They executed it. And man, they they could have had five picks. You know, they only had three. They could have had five. Ray had one negated by Trayvon being off sides. But I believe they ended up picking off Minchiel on the drive, anyways. I want to say. They could have
0: had like seven interceptions. I Devin, think-
1: Devin Lloyd dropped two, but he had nine fingers. So it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Devin Lloyd dropped two. Ray had one that was called back from the Trayvon offside. I think Foyer dropped one pretty late. <laughs> I think he did too. Yeah. <laughs> That's four like, non interceptions plus the three that he actually threw.
1: What? It was three, right? There was, yeah, was right? Ray and Harris. Was that the worst quarterback they're going to see this year? Yes. Like, I think so.
0: Though.
1: He was worse so, than Ritter.
0: He had like three, in- three interceptions. Four other possible interceptions plus the strip sack on like the second or third drive or whatever that was. Like so they play
1: a amount of turnover worthy plays in just the first half alone. So just in terms of quarterback, they're gonna play a banged up Derek Carr, gonna play Kenny Pickett. <laughs> um Brock Purdy talent-wise belongs to the conversation, but I won't even dip my toe in that pool. We'll see how Hurt Tannehill is. I mean, maybe Malik Willis, but that's like a month away. Uh who knows who starts for the Browns any given week. And then you have Bryce Young later in the year. I think Minshew's worse than all of those.
0: Wow. Yeah, I agree, but like that's a pretty good looking slate for the Jags defense. Mm-hmm. I mean they they're gonna have Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson later, but like
1: Yeah, a good gonna... quarterback and in, in Joe Burrow, yeah. <laughs> Are, and then they get CJ Stroud 20 20 again, and that's about 20, it, 20, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, like, the good quarterbacks they face are Kyle Shanahan, CJ Stroud, and Lamar, and then you can Bur- Burrow and Watson in that maybe category. You didn't like the Kyle
0: Shanahan, he for Watson, Bur- Burrow. Like, I'm I'm fine with keeping him in it. He's even like, despite the calf, we'll see when we get there. I guess, but yeah, like that's a that seems like a pretty nice slate the Jags defense going forward but in terms of like what they just faced like yeah that's that's going to be as easy as it takes but the Jaguars defense do get a ton of credit for like
1: forcing them mistakes like two of the interceptions are insane I'm sorry man I like like Sean's pick I I don't even know how to like describe it like there wasn't really pressure and he just throws a duck like 10 yards past his target and then Mm -hmm. The Darius Williams pick, I thought, kind of summed up like his flaws as a quarterback. He's throwing off his back foot because of pressure, and if he had an NFL arm, maybe you could do that. But it literally just floated in the game. Yeah. so it was it was brutal. I, I, I think Mike Caldwell has them playing inspired, you know, football defensively, and like it's not just obviously like they're talented, like they've invested in it. I I think that they've had one of the best secondaries in the NFL this year. And well, like four of the guys in the secondary, they're high paid or highly drafted. So you were hope that, you know, they're doing pretty good, but Mm -hmm. I, I just think their approach to the game has spurred a lot of this. And in my opinion, the takeovers are happening because of their strategy, which is, you know, win on first and second down and then try to cause some kind of havoc on third down, whether it's with, a pressure look or whatever, and then you have on top of that Josh Allen playing at a crazy rate. So, Next Gen had Josh Allen with nine pressures, and PFF had him with four. Kind <laughs> kind of a wild discrepancy. Like Next Gen had him with the most pressures among edges entering the late slate yesterday, and mm-hmm. PFF has him with eighteenth among edges right now. Yeah. So I, I I don't know, but just in terms of like how they're developing. So, like, it was a solid game for Trayvon. Five pressures per PFF. Uh, you know, uh, one of his highest win rates of the season. So, he went from 44th in pressures and 60th in win rate last week to now he's 34th in pressures and 44th in win rate. So, still, like, not great. I think that two pressures between weeks two and three obviously hurt him. But he has nine pressures over the last two weeks after eight through the first month of the season. All right, do you think – the light bulb is coming on a little bit, or is this still mostly a Josh Allen show to you? This is still a Josh
0: Allen show to me. Uh, like, I I didn't really, like, watch Trayvon super closely, honestly, on Sunday, so, like, I might, like, go back and watch it and be convinced otherwise that, like, a light has been switched. But just based on, like, watching the game live on Sunday, uh, there wasn't really anything that made me think that. Like, Josh Allen is, I think – Third in sacks right now, and tied for second and forced fumbles, and like, I mean, he's like a legit defensive player of the year candidate right now. I think, uh, like that's we'll, a good point. I mean, maybe like not like up there with this in the same class as like a TJ Watt or a Miles Garrett, but like he should have like at least be like I'm gonna mention him right now. Like he's definitely up there in terms of stats. Like this Jags defense seems legit. The Jags are a playoff team in general. Like. Especially if they add an edge rusher to like hopefully like balloon everyone's sack numbers and like pressure production. Uh then like I don't know. It's it's in the range of outcomes, I think. Uh but yeah, I think I think it's still a one man show. Like
1: he's been the best player on the defense, uh for sure. Easily. And like I think if they continue on the trajectory that they're on and like the defense continues, like, like they're leading the NFL in take right now. Maybe that's not well, obviously, it's not sustainable. Takeaways aren't sustainable. But if the defense keeps performing and keeps getting attention, I I, I agree. I think he could definitely have a case to make for a defense player of the year because he's already matched his sack total from last year. Mm-hmm. And if you can do what he's doing against a pass and run and do it on a good defense and good team in general, you get noticed. Yeah, like if the Jaguars
0: end up like – get like winning a couple of in a row in like the middle of the season, like beat the Niners and or the Ravens and or the Bengals. Um, like eventually they should be able to start like gaining some national attention. And then like, it'll be like, Oh, who are the players that are like kind of like leading the charge for this breakout contender in the Jaguars? And Josh Allen is definitely like the first name on the defense. Uh But shout out to Darius Williams. Cause I feel like he would be like one of the last names, uh, and like, but like, he's shown that like teams can't really attack him. And teams have been trying the past two weeks. Like, he had a 13 targets against him, um, against the Bills, um, which was like the most targets against him as a Jaguar. But then he had that huge interception against Stephon Diggs. And then, uh, one other really big play in the second half. And then this past week, like, we saw the play that you talked about, like Minchuka was kind of like just throwing up a jump ball and like kind of just testing like uh on paper good matchup for the Colts but Darius Williams like was able to shut down that pass with the interception the his third and three straight games and so like I think as good as Josh Allen has been like it's almost as valuable that like players like Darius Williams have been holding up really well because like a defense as a unit is like only as good of it only as good of only as good as its weakest link, sorry. So no. like all their weak links are holding up right now uh, is kind of like helping the fact that they don't have
1: another star pass rusher. No, for I, absolutely. And I, I would, you know, I, I agree with that, you know, wholly. And I definitely think like the secondary. In a cohesive unit like their second like season all like basically like they have like 20 games on their belt where it's the five of them together i'm with you i mean just for some context on the season josh allen's having a year ago in 17 games he had seven sacks 11 tackles for loss 22 quarterback hits and four forced fumbles right now he has seven sacks six tackles for loss 11 quarterback hits and two force fumbles. My bad. He had 22 quarterback hits last year, so he's he's on pace like to smash everything he did last year. Mm-hmm. And he was a top 10 to 15 edge last year. So yeah. here's my question for you: Would you give him the Alex Highsmith contract? It was like four years, 68 million dollars, almost 30 million guaranteed.
0: Yes. Yeah. What? Anything like under 20 million? I feel like is a steal. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'll do that in a heartbeat. Would would you make him the Jaguars' first 100 million dollar man? I might. I might be off. Maybe there's another guy that they've paid that well. Yeah. Now, now we're putting your feet to the fire. I mean, then it's like obviously depends on. Ooh,
0: are you saying like four years, 100 million? Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna have to look up some contracts and see. What yeah.
1: No. 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 Takesmanship does not have data and evidence no come on come on give me some gumption
0: yeah i feel like uh 80 to 100 million is probably like a pretty good range like i would give him a 100 million dollar contract that's probably like closer to the top of like what you would want to like just show out for any player just in terms of like resource allocation but like again you should be making 20 million dollars per year annually. Per per
1: year annually, uh, I'm with you. level. So the the last thing I wanted to say about the defense of my own, Gus, was, at so it's been extremely impressive. But I think what's even more impressive is they're not just beating up on bad quarterbacks like Minshew and Ritter. Like they played good quarterbacks this year. You know, like mm-hmm. they, they Anthony Rich. Said, I'm sorry, is like I know he's young and experienced. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. Like he's nowhere near Minshew. You know, like obviously I think he's probably about like the current version of Richardson is probably about like what you would think like an average like starter would be maybe a little bit above that because of his mobility. They kept Patrick Mahomes in check. They kept Josh Allen mostly in check outside of a few yellow balls.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: I think the defense has legit proven itself. Like I, I don't think it's like a flash in the pan thing. I think maybe the Chiefs game, maybe you can say that. Maybe at the Falcons game, I don't know, it's Desmond Ritter. Right Right now, I think you can say, like, it's legit.
0: Yeah, I think, like, the defense passed, like, two huge tests that you look for in a good unit in each of the past two weeks. Against the Bills, like, they played really well against an elite offense with an elite quarterback and with an elite wide receiver. Um, and they didn't, like, completely shut them down. As you said, Allen ended up having a couple yellow balls, but they still, like, held their own against a type top-flight offense and kind of, like, passed that test of uh, just playing good competition. But then also, like, the other test is playing bad competition and, like, not playing down to poor offenses level and, uh, like, being able to take advantage of the mismatches um, and, like, kind of be able to show that, like, you are a lot better than the opposing unit. So... Yeah. Like,
1: back-to-back pass tests for the Jaguars defense. The one potential flaw, I think, with the defense is obviously the, the depth. You can say that for anywhere. But the cornerback depth specifically. Because mm-hmm. once Tyson went out, Monteric Brown went in, got hit for, like, two different 40-yard gains. Mm-hmm. They only dressed four corners for the game in, in general yesterday. Because yeah. Claybrooks isn't playing on the – Commissioner Exemplis, whatever whatever the list is called, Gregory Junior is on IR. Christian Brazwell is on IR. They they don't even really have bodies right now. You know, like they have Eric Hallett and Tavon Campbell who are on the practice squad, but that that to me would be the one maybe concerning thing is like you just you need the corners to all stay healthy.
0: Totally, and like, oof, hamstring could be tough. Like, I, I don't know. That's that can be like a scary injury where it just like kind of lingers around for more than you would hope. So hopefully Tyson Campbell will get right soon because, like, I mean, I just talked about, like, the weak link of the defense of Darius Williams. And as soon as Tyson Campbell went out, like, you saw that weak link kind of, like, break a little bit with Monteric Brown in the game. So yeah, that'll, like, be, like, some a huge thing to look for on Thursday. Like, obviously the Trevor Lawrence injury takes precedence. But, like, Tyson Campbell being out for the game, he's officially out, right? Or is he – and Doug said
1: he probably wasn't gonna play.
0: Okay. So mm. unofficially, but probably out. Uh, like Darius Williams all of a sudden being the number one corner and then Montero Brown slash whoever being the number two corner against Chris Olave and Michael Thomas could spell trouble. And like neither of those two receivers are like and like it's not like they're playing AJ Brown and Devontae Smith or Tyreek yeah. and Waddle or anything like that. But like it's to, a pair of solid receivers for sure. Um, so yeah.
1: It, it it was strange to see people just now discover Tyson Campbell plays special teams and <laughs> on your on your coverage teams you have people who tackle. <laughs> he he played sixteen percent of special team snaps last year. He's played seventeen this year. Like like it, it's not a new thing. Like it, you only how many players are active on game day? Like forty seven. Yeah, I don't know. You only have like it's not college football, man. Like you, you only have so many places. Like, people can play special teams dog. <laughs>
0: I remember, like, Gronk had a pretty serious injury on a special teams, like, it was, like, an extra point attempt, um, and he had to, like, get season-ending season ending surgery for a play that happened on special teams. I remember Belichick getting roasted for it, but it's, like, that's just, like, kind of how it works, like, because yeah. he's, like, even in Gronk's case, like, a future Hall of Fame player, it's, like, it's not like he's just not going to play special teams.
1: Exactly. Like, and... <laughs> Like, I, I, I get it to an extent, like, you know, protect every good player. But, like, uh, on the other hand, it is football, you know. Like, at, at, at the end of the day, sometimes guys are just going to, you know, kind of get hurt, you know, when <laughs> like it, it, it
0: happens. So, well, we'll, well yeah. I got one, one last last night. It was just uh, a note that Smoot played 32 snaps, which is a lot more than I expected, just to go along with that line you were delivering of, like, yeah. It's football they're going to play. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what he did on those snaps. So I don't have like his PFS stats pulled up or anything. Uh, I didn't really. He had actually like one really big play early on in the game on like a third and one that he stopped with like Ledbetter maybe or somewhere yeah. else or maybe a Blackson. Uh, yeah. So, just I thought it was somewhat notable that he played 32 snaps as opposed to like the 15 that I was expecting.
1: 100%. So, and speaking of Blackson. Your NFL leader and fumble recoveries with TJ Watt, man. <laughs> the, the underrated piece. This year's Corey of. Peters. Corey Peters. And like for reference on Smoot, so he played 41% of snaps. He played 44% of their snaps last year. So like it it was more or less like the role he's always, you know, he's 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 always played. And yeah. it it made clear that it will be Yasu Abdullah snaps. that will now evaporate. Not chase ons and and yeah. Chase on the sack. It so like when I tweeted, I wasn't trying to dunk on it at all. I was just like, oh, he's a little factoid. But it's the first season he ever has multiple sacks in so career year. Yeah, there you
0: go. I thought yeah. it was interesting. Like that play was like the only time that Minshew really got into like a true like Minshew esque scramble drill. It felt like there I'm was
1: wondering. one. There was one other, and Trayvon Walker hit the hell out. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> Are oh, you talking about like the stunt where he went inside with Roy? <laughs> no, there it was, it was like awesome. it was literally the play before. It. Like mm. seriously, like it, it, on one play, Minshew scrambled around. Like Trayvon didn't get a, so it was one of those plays where he gets a quarterback hit without getting really a win
0: because there right. has got
1: of Minshew scrambling around and Trayvon was in his rush lane and sees him and just popped yeah. the hell out of him. And then I think it was the very because I saw on my phone like a text like, "Oh, Trayvon with a quarterback hit." And then the very next play, Trayvon did the stunt, and got the sack. He. Yeah, we talked about that. Good, good showing for like good showing for Trayvon in the context of what we've seen from Trayvon. Right.
0: Yeah. I just, yeah. I, I think that was also like part of the reason Minshew was like just so errant with his passes is that like he was just like too scared to even like scramble a little bit, low, yeah. like yeah, just stay in there.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. So, all uh, right, Gus, we're gonna break one more time and come back for our game Bowls. All right. I guess we'll let you go ahead and kick us off. Before we start, you have any more hot takes, hot takes from the week? Um, well, I have one written down, but it's about
0: the Saints game, so I'll save that. Save that. Uh, oh man, I thought I had another one. Maybe it'll come back to me later. But my game balls are offense, Brett and Strange, first career touchdown. Oh, More than God. any other rookie tight end not named Sam
1: Laporta. No, 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 no. Let me stop you right here, my friend. Bulky ball is the segment to be ridiculous. Game <laughs> ball, it's sanctified. Okay. It's a rookie getting his first career NFL touchdown. Like He's not actually getting the game ball. He, he, we're not actually like the team giving him the game ball. It doesn't have to be sentimental. Okay, so if anything, that should be like, I, I'm the one giving the game ball,
0: so I can do whatever I want with it. Fair. My business thing is that, like, I like we could give it to, like, Trevor or Travis every single week. But, like, obviously that's not going to be fun. So, I'm trying to switch it up a little okay, bit. I mean, okay, okay, I'm okay, to, I'm trying to give it to the rookie. I thought that, like, A, he deserved it, like, just for the first career touchdown. That was cool. But then that's also, like, I thought the Jaguars' is like play calling uh, was pretty good this game, but especially – or, I mean, pretty good in the first half, I guess. <laughs> but especially in the high red zone where they had a lot of, like – 20 to 30-yard touchdowns are big plays. And so, like, Strange had his touchdown from the 10-yard 10 10 yard line. And, like, not that he really did anything on it, but I don't know. Like, it was out out of 12 personnel, and Trevor, like, kind of got to his last read. So, just, like, that and then the – was it the screen that he took to set up the ETN one-yard touchdown in the first quarter?
1: He had some kind of, like – Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought he was going to score on it, honestly. Yeah,
0: right. So I just thought those two plays were neat. And so
1: he gets my offensive game ball. They were neat. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm i like – it was funny because neither play was really a like tight end play. Like, on one of them, like he was like the backside of the route. And, like, it was just a nice design. They Didn't really pick him up. And on the screen, it was, like, legit just a tight end screen. But it was interesting. Earlier in the week, Press Taylor was like, yeah, he's actually a really good yak guy. We just – Really haven't got him going, and then you saw it there. Like his explosion is really good. You know, yeah, like he, like he he got down there in in, in a hurry. So I'm, I'm 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 okay. My offensive game ball, Dearness Johnson. You know, <laughs> the poor is one carry. You know, is is that okay? I thought you were about to give it to Press Taylor <laughs> when you were talking about the offense. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna give them the game ball when fans are thinking they killed the quarterback.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it would have been it would have been a good bit. Uh, yeah, not. My offensive game ball, I'm going to go Evan Ingram. I know 5.9 yards a catch, 41 yards and seven catches, but the sickest catch a Jaguars player has made this year. And I don't know. I, I, basically, if, if we're giving out game balls based on vibes, that's that's my vibe game ball mm. for the week for offense. Best Jaguars catch since
0: Keelan Cole's sideline one-hander against the Patriots in like 2018.
1: I think so, man. And <laughs> it wasn't like the clutches, but it might have been the best. It, it, it's so funny when these catches happen in the middle of drives because they can't even really like soak it in. It's like, all right, next play.
0: <laughs> no, it's hilarious because like on like two plays later, he hurdled a guy, and like so that cart got the crowd fired up, and like it was a good hurdle where like he actually cleared the guy and like kind of like took an- got another step or two in. It's not like he just jumped and then fell down, but like that hurdle. Was on a third and six, and he picked up five yards. So then punted on the next play.
1: <laughs> Good football player. All <laughs> right. Defensive game ball. I'll start. I'm going to go. No, yeah. I'm starting second I get in front of you. Mike Caldwell. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Take that. I, I didn't even know. I'm assuming that's what you're going to do, right? No, I had a player in mind. Okay. No, Mike Caldwell gets the Jaguar Port game ball. Hope he puts it in there with his locker. <laughs> future Lombardi for whatever defense in the future he had coaches and fixes. Mike Caldwell has been in his bag. So, all right, guess you're next. He's been incredible. Uh, mine is Foye Luocan just because he
0: had a career-high 15 tackles. He currently ranks third in the NFL in tackles, so he's going for that three-peat in the tackle leader department. Uh He had 10 targets. And eight receptions allowed according to PFF, but those passes only went for 32 yards. So like (laughs) (laughs) again, it was just like dink and dunk stuff. So it's like, like don't even blame him for like the ten targets because like he was just happening to be the closest defender. But like he wasn't allowing anything underneath in like the run or the pass. And like, I feel like the Jaguars have like three pillars of defense, like player wise, like on the front end. In middle-wise between Josh Allen, Tyson Campbell, and Lucon So we already talked a decent amount about Josh Allen and Tyson Campbell and, like, how important they are. But Lucon is, like, right there with them.
1: I'll give you that. Um, I, I think that's fair. Uh, All right. think that's fair? Okay. I do think it's fair. I do think it's fair. I, yeah, I
0: mean, I don't – Would you put him like not on the, like not as the same pillar height <laughs> as Allen and Tyson? Put
1: him right below it. Right below. It. I right. feel like he sets a new career high in tackles every week.
0: I the the, the Jags are just like saying like <laughs> oh this is like the tenth game in a row that he's recorded like
1: <laughs> double digit tackles. No, it's like what's well, how the tackles
0: not, are BS stats you can come up with. I feel
1: like but I'm not like, trying to trying like, to minimize him or his impact. I just feel like. I don't know, like, if I'm a defensive coordinator or if I'm a GM and I want to pluck players from the Jaguars' defense, those are the guys I'd take first. But I guess in the ecosystem that is the Jaguars' defense, maybe – okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: just how, like, like, you and I both know that, like, Mike Caldwell has, like, such a big influence, like, behind the scenes of, like, the success of the defense. Like, Fourier is still, like, arguably the biggest leader and, like, has plenty of impact himself. Like, they okay. have two, two second-year linebackers who have, like, Both been like pretty good this year. Maybe good is strong, but they haven't been bad this year. And I feel like you could attribute some of that to Foyer. Uh, So just just a little Foyer shout out. All
1: right, that's fair. Uh, Special teams. I'm going. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) I always just do an offensive and defense. No, 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 no. no. It is a.
1: No, 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 no. Until they eliminate special teams, we are giving out special teams game balls. It is okay. Third unit. If you win two to three phases, you win, as probably somebody once said. So, right, who's your special teams game ball? Didn't mean Brandon McManus, man. Thirteen points. I mean, he had a see a forty-eight yard field goal, a forty-nine yard field goal, and a fifty-one yard field. Other than the Houston game, dude's been automatic. Like he he he's been. Everything I think they could have hoped for, outside of one game where everything went wrong for the entire team. So I'm I'm going to McManus, and mm-hmm. since you're biased against special teams, Heath Farwell's unit who poured up blood, sweat, and tears into the game. Do you do you you don't have to give us one. Do you my, have to game
0: one? my game ball is Jamal Agnew because I feel like he's like me and uh, Mia were talking about this a little bit, uh, like or at least I just like felt almost a little bit bad for him because like he's been talked about more in like a wide receiver role and like an offensive role uh that like he might not be totally suitable for but like you gotta remember like the main reason he was like brought in the main reason he's like good at the game which is like his special teams value uh and so he hadn't really had a big return in a couple weeks probably because he missed a game or two uh but it was nice to see him get like that 53 yard return in the second half against
1: the colts yeah, yeah, yeah. He only matters if he touches the ball. Typical guess. I I get it. I get it. So just real quick, Agnew, Tim Jones, and Elijah Cooks combined for 43 snaps. <laughs> Zero targets. <laughs> hey, it, it seemed like the Jaguars plan to replace Zay this week was to literally just not use a third receiver. <laughs> no, honestly, that's a good point. Like because I I said like I would expect Elijah
0: Cooks to I get at least get one target, and that's because I thought they were going to continue doing what they were doing, It was just like have Agnew or just like whoever is that next man up, uh, just like step into Zay's role. Um, so like, I'll maybe I'll look back and see how much 12 personnel they ran, uh, especially with like a positive game script. But they definitely were not relying on wide receiver three a lot on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I mean, Strange played 53% of snaps and Farrell played 45%. So they. They they were on like on there. I think I want to say it was season highs for both, at least for Strange. It was the first time Strange is out snapped Oh yeah, I was about to ask that. Yeah, it was. It was. Mm-hmm. Snap count talk. That's, that's yeah. what people. Gets people I know. looked up. Did you post your article yet? I like
0: what, Yeah. Two minutes before this. Uh, maybe it was earlier than. I
1: I've done like four different versions of Trevor's knee is sprained, so it probably got lost. Yeah. Lost in the shuffle, but yeah. all right. Just a little housekeeping. We will be back on Wednesday this week since it hit Gus and I at about two o'clock this afternoon that they play on Thursday. <laughs> so we'll be back on Wednesday to preview the, the Saints, not the Colts, Saints. Gus, you got anything else for us before we go?
0: No. Uh, looking forward to this weekend.
1: I, I do want to say, I checked. The Patriots now have seventy two points and we now have sixty one episodes. So no, another shutout and we're we're climbing. We're climbing. Yeah, then we'll get there. Then we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. All right. Thank you guys. John Shipley, Gus Log. We'll see you guys next time.